If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so that it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome to Hooper's Unhailed, a Capital Flavor production in partnership with 265 Media. is what's poppin it's your boy k-dot and i am back with another edition of hoopers unhailed i'm still in new york but i'm in a different borough that's right i just got off the train in brooklyn bensonhurst to be exact and i'm here with maria laterza the former marish red fox who played internationally for the italian national team and now was back home and just recently worked in international operations for the NBA League office. So sit back, relax, and enjoy episode four of Hoopers Unhailed coming up next. And ladies and gentlemen, we are back with another great episode of Hoopers Unhailed. I am your host, Kevin, better known in this media world as KDOT, and I am here with another very special guest. I have Maria Laterza with me, and I hope I got your last name right. You did, you did. Oh, that is (laughs) beautiful, beautiful. So how are you? How are you doing? Oh, what's up? Thank you so much for having me. Hi, everybody. Uh, I'm doing good, I'm doing well. Just uh, holding it down here in Brooklyn, trying to to get through this pandemic. It's, It's been definitely a crazy year. Uh, in the basketball world on and off the court so uh, like everybody just I'm just pushing through absolutely and um, I'm just gonna get right into it you have some news for us and it's some great news so we get a wow wow we're going we're going off the rip huh yeah yeah off the rip so off the rip so this isn't a fax or anything but um, you're back yeah, it's crazy. I, uh, I'm i back. You are the first media person, the first time that I'm actually dropping this bomb to. Um, I've decided to uh, return to playing professionally in Italy uh, for the remainder of the season in an Italian women's top league after uh, retiring in 2016 when I when I started working for the league. Um, 
so yes, yeah, so I'm going back to play. Uh, I blew, I leave my apartment about three days, and uh, and by next Saturday, I'll be uh, I'll be training again to play, uh, with ambitions to uh, to prepare for qualifications and and hope that I get a call up again uh, to the national team. Wow, casual, that, right? <laughs> that is amazing. That crazy. is amazing. Well, uh, congratulations are in order. Thank you. Thank and... you. Thank you. I wish you nothing but the best in getting back into, um, you know, your playing career. And, you know, we're definitely going to be rooting for you. Um, so, you know, with that being said, ha ha, I got it. So. <laughs> You're the first one you are. I feel like I haven't. This is so, it's so like top secret. Like, I don't know. I just, I haven't, and not that it hasn't hit me yet. I feel like it just, it's such a process and there's a lot to wrap my head around about like returning. And I've, I've always stayed fit and I can still go. So I retired really young in my career. Um, so I still got a lot left in, in the tank in me, but it's just so surreal. So um, yeah, I'm excited. This is the first time that I'm even like saying it or really having an, an open combo about it. So this is, this is going to be a good chat absolutely you so, might be like this is like a, you're my therapist i feel like i feel like i'm in a therapy session oh man i appreciate it i appreciate it <laughs> so let's listen we're gonna we're gonna jump into the to the next thing and let's jump let's do it you know this is what i call humble beginnings and this is what i this is where i want to kind of come about and and see you know where did you, you know, where did you first, you know, get your love for the game, your first time picking up a basketball, you know, and I, I really want to dig into that. And then, you know, we're just going to ride the breeze through your career and, you know, we'll, you know, we'll just take it from there. So, you know, I like where, that. ride the breeze. Yeah. So, so where did your first uh, love for the game start? All right, so I love how you said ride the breeze. Just know that it's it will be a breeze and it's going to be a wind gust and there's a lot of ups and downs <laughs> in my story. And it's so funny. I feel like once you get older and I become a business professional, that it, my story and that underdog. I have a very much an underdog story in it. I don't. Uh, I haven't talked about it in a while. I try to forget about it, but um, it's really relevant. I think to to who I am today and, and the position that I'm in now currently. But um my first love for the game I think started started when I was about shoot I'll say like eight eight or nine is when I when I first picked up a basketball um I I don't know for those who don't know I'm I'm about six foot two and a half and I've always been the tallest girl ever um I grew up in Brooklyn and 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 when I feel like when first when people first hear about Brooklyn everyone automatically assumes like Williamsburg Bed-Stuy like that whole like north side of Brooklyn I grew up in south Brooklyn the part that nobody goes to uh, unless they have to. Right. So I grew up about uh, five to 10 minutes outside of Coney Island. Um, and that's always like my reference point when someone's like, yo, where are you from? And I'm like, Coney, uh, Coney Island. Cause they get it. Um, but I'm, uh, I'm from Bensonhurst, super, super Italian American uh, neighborhood, lots of immigrants. Um, and there are not that many uh, young females that are being pushed to, to play sports. There's also not that many, uh, Italian young females that are about six foot two. Um, all my friends from high school and, and everyone in the area are mostly about five foot two or midgets. Um, so I always stood out really, really young. Um, and, and I had a, I had a cousin who, who played sports and my uncles were always, you know, very, very athletic in soccer. And, and we have a soccer family, super Italian. Um, both my parents were born there. Italian's my first language. Um, so my uncles pushed me to get into the sport cause I was just always super tall. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And I was just playing in the church, man. I mean, I, uh, the CYO programs and, and, you know, my parents, my parents both, God bless them. Like, you know, we were immigrants. So like pops worked all day. Moms worked all day. I was raised by my grandmother on the weekends. Like even the gym, the gym is really what saved me. And the people down at St. Athanasius basketball are, would babysit me really like free babysitting, you know, from like nine to three. I was just a gym rat. I've always been a gym rat. Right. Um, so so yeah so that's that's probably about the time that that it really really started um and then as as i got older i you know i went i went to bishop carney and i was from like 2007 to i'm sorry 2003 to 2007 um that was a really good top high school in the the chssa whatever the catholic organization league um i uh and, and that's when it like the competitiveness really i think really hit i was always tall i don't think that i became very good until i was about 12 or 13. Okay. Uh, but, you know, I credit, I, I credit that a lot to, um, I mean, I always had to play in the hoods and like where I grew up, it's like, I have on one, uh, if you, if you divide the, the street in half, you go, you go up one block and it's super like mobbed up. A lot of people doing bad things. <laughs> uh, you know, everything that you see in like the good fellas, like that's happening for sure. But you go up, you go up left the other way and like, you have all the other gang stuff that's going on. So, and then hoop, hoop is so much good on the left side. Um, and I always found myself uh, always competing within the city or within the inner city. Um, everyone always thought that I was like some chick from like Long Island, but I was, I was just like everyone else, you know, from Brooklyn. So um, I think my love for the game even grew more. And, and even now when I realized like how fortunate that I've been to, to play basketball and like, have traveled to different neighborhoods and like have traveled to the best courts or played against the best competition of the city. Like to, to even just say like, Hey, I have a game up in Rucker this weekend and like, Oh yeah, I'm going to go up to Gersh or I'm going to go up to, to Dykeman and stuff. And like, I think today people don't, people don't even have that experience and, and they live within the city, you know? Um, and that's why, and, and in the world that we live in today, just to, to be able to be that diverse and to be, be able to kind of feel like you're good everywhere. You know, you have friends everywhere. Um, it, it's what makes me you know, more, my love for the game really first started, but it, it continues. So you say, you say you're like five minutes from Coney Island. So of course, you know, mm-hmm. this question is going to come about, you know, so of course your influence, um, you know, you had this, you know, the step on Marbury's, um, mm-hmm. you had, of course, uh, the Sebastian Telfairs. was that, you know, with those type players from Coney Island, you know, that, that influence um, for you, because I wouldn't say Lance Stevenson so much because he's around our age, like, you know, in, in that realm, but yeah. you know, with Stefan Marbury and, um, and even Sebastian Telfair is a couple years Bassey. older. Than, yeah. yeah. He's a couple years older than us, but yeah. you know, you would say the, you know, that type of, uh, you know, influence in, in Brooklyn basketball kind of, you know, um, helped you along the way. Absolutely. I think that, I mean, Coney Island is always known to have like great basketball players and, and that, I think that era, especially with, with those four and between Bassey, Lance and, and Stefan that like, they, it was, it was just really the media, the papers, it was just, you couldn't miss it. Right. And, and for me, like I, I, I literally live five minutes outside of Coney Island. So like in the summertime, like that's our back, that's where, that's where I'm pulling up. Like that's my backyard. So like on West 33rd or where the courts are, or even just like when I, I think I, I, when I realized when I watched she got game, he got game, I think it was about 12 or 13 too. And like being able to put those places together. Like I literally, when I, when I, when I work out in the summertime, like I'm on the beach, like that's so to, to be able to, to connect in that way 
where within my neighborhood then, which is just like literally like up the block, just just Bensonhurst, you know how the borders are in the city. Um, there's no one really playing basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, and my struggle with this even today is like in, in the Italian American community, like w- I grew up in a very traditional household where like, you know, women, my mom every day. So my mom worked two jobs and like would come home at five o'clock and dinner's on the table. Um, and I, and I was raised this way. So I had these traditional values, but I didn't have a lot of people around me when I was young. So it was so easy for me to be influenced into the wrong things. I always wanted to be with my friends hanging out in the park. Like truthfully, I really didn't work that hard in high school in the off season. Like, but I was good, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and when I was able to see other people get notoriety and then just within the same proximity and then even like we just mentioned Lance, like Lance went to Setlow that was like the junior high school of the block from my house. So even watching him and his growth and stuff. And then Bassey was like huge back in the day. Um, a couple of my very, very close friends played to him with Lincoln. So that connection and just having that kind of notoriety for, for this part of Brooklyn um, definitely started started to to give me a little hype. It's so funny. Like three nights ago, I, I I came across an old video that was like New York City versus Long Island. It was on like MSG. Like it was this crazy thing. And I had the headband. I was a headband killer. Wow. Yeah. I swear. That was yeah. That was the wave back in the day. That was the wave back in the day for sure. I was a headband killer. <laughs> so um, you know, going into your your high school career, of course, you know you uh, you played at. Bishop Kearney High School, um, mm-hmm. you're, you're a thousand points, a thousand plus points scorer. Um, yeah. So, you know, tell me, tell me how that came about. Now, I'm going to tell you this. I moved to South Carolina at a very young age. So I, I went to middle school and high school in South Carolina. Um, and my high school was, was pretty, um, was pretty big in, in basketball. But like, for me, it was so big in basketball that, I didn't become varsity until I was like second semester sophomore. So, okay. you know, tell me about, you know, um, you know, your high school career and like, you know, like how, how, you know, your influence, you know, with, with how you played and, 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 you know, your career, how, how did, how did that, you know, come about and mm-hmm. move into, uh, in, into your uh, scholarship with Marist college? Right. So, um, before, like going into high school, I think when I was like 13 or 14, I really, basketball was just something that was just like a hobby, mm-hmm. you know, like my, not, my parents were always very supportive. They loved it. I'm an only child, but like my parents don't know basketball. They didn't know basketball at the time. And I was so fortunate because like, I had so many other friends and like CYOs and we, you know, I had just started doing like travel basketball, AU, getting into that. My parents had no idea. I also was oblivious. To, to what was really happening. And, um, but I had, I had friends who, you know, had their folks in the car that were always yelling at them at games and like, uh, going into high school, I had the kind of parents that like my mom didn't know that I had to be at practice like 15 minutes early. Okay. Um, and, and when I made, I made, I ended up making varsity as a freshman. Um, and at the time, uh, so as we were, we were, uh, I think we were in the A division. So we were in, we were actually, no, sorry, excuse me. We were, we were in double A. Uh, playing against Christ the King, Malloy, and this is like the time where New York City's basketball, especially women's basketball, was really at its height. I'm talking about like the Tina Charles, the Epiphany Princes, um, just so many great players, and it was so competitive. Um, so to play, so I didn't, I didn't understand at the time what a big deal it was to be a freshman on varsity because I had no idea um, until I started playing more and I and I had taken over the spot of like a junior. 
and she was pissed and would beat my ass every day. Can I say ass on this? Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. Sorry. (laughs) So she would. So, all right. So that's how I really got tough. And like, I mean, we, so the way that I play is very old, like old school NBA. And that's how I, and that's part of like New York, how I was raised in New York. But I think that was also how the the era and the the NBA league was unfolding. And especially like it was trickling to the WNBA. So like I grew up on, you know, on watching the Spurs, but like also like Kevin Garnett, um, Rebecca Lobos, uh, Janelle McGarvels, who are like super, super physical. And then like, I just, my freshman and sophomore year, like I I just was always taking a beating. (laughs) And I guess the way that I'm set up too, is that like, I'm also just very, very physical. So for me, like, I feel like they have like that animal drill where you just rebound until you die. So like anything goes, Right, exactly. (laughs) that's, that became, that became my favorite drill because I, because that was the only time really like that I could really go at. I remember the, I, I remember knowing at that point that, the junior that I was going up against who was just really mean to me was like the classic, like love and basketball, like Sidra moment where like, she was like really mean to me. But I remember there was a point in my mind that I was like, yo, I'm better than you and I'm younger than you, but I'm like, you're not going to push me around. And that is definitely, I think my energy. And that's been my energy. I think from, from high school to my pro career, like I'm, I, I play that way where like, I'm very conscious that I'm very strong. Um, and I'm very cool, but like, you know, my mama didn't, didn't, didn't raise, didn't raise a fool. So, um, I'm very much not someone who's like good at initiating, give it first, but like, like I'm not a killer, but don't push me. So that was the drill where like, I would just violate her. That's what's up. Um, and then high school was good. You know, I, then I started, I, I started changing AU teams and, uh, my parents, my, you know, it's, it's so great how, how much, how important having great support systems and just great people around you are absolutely because today today kids in aau like everything is so washed i feel like and people don't really get it like my parents when i was when i was 14 had just closed on their first house and i was in private school and like so my my to give you context my mom is a paraprofessional and like that's not like a teacher's aide and then my dad is just a bus driver so it's not like we're making a lot of money and you know how the prices are in new york city Right. right so um that year freshman year going to sophomore year AAU wasn't even like we, first of all we didn't even know it was that bad and I was so happy after high school it was so hard practice like running and stuff so I'm like I don't want to play this game I don't want to just hang out with my friends in the park whatever and my parents didn't have money for it and um new, I, I ended up playing in a, AAU in, in Queens with the New York City Heat uh with Kevin White and um I went to the tryouts and uh this is when they had like I'd say like four or five like top girls. Uh, I think uh, Roz, Roz Gold on Yunde was like my point guard when I was a freshman, sophomore traveling AU and she ended up playing at Stanford. Wow. So you know Roz, yeah, me and Roz go like way back. So many fun memories from like AU and stuff and like had a lot of other, a lot of other really top players and my, me and my parents were about to be like, yeah, no, sorry, we're good. And uh, Kevin had talked to my mom and I was like, look, we literally cannot afford Pitt. And he was like, you know what? He goes, He's like, for this year, don't worry about it. They used to have like these raffle and like these prizes where you like for us, we had to sell like a hundred dollar raffle tickets. And he was like, he was like, just make sure you sell these raffle tickets. And my mom was like so grateful. And then, you know, my mom is like the mayor of fucking Brooklyn. Oh, curse. Sorry. Um, uh, She I won't say that word again. No, you're fine. Uh, fine. But my mom, my mom, my mom uh, ended up set instead of selling like 10. My mom ended up selling 20 of those raffle tickets. Um, you know, just, just added like a thank you and stuff. And that went to the team. So um, I would say it was about my sophomore year that I started getting really good and like the right training. 
Um, I struggled. I struggled still within my community and within my high school. I didn't like, not that I didn't like playing there, but like I, a lot of the girls that I, I was growing up with, like were from like Rockaway, were from like Marine Park. And like, they have such a huge basketball culture there in Queens, especially in Rockaway and Marine right, Park. Right. Um, and a lot of them are like, you know, mostly like Irish American. So there was a big cultural like twist and stuff that for me was really difficult um you know i had strict curfews and you know everyone was very 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 different and there was like a little bit of like a jealousy and like because i didn't know what was going on but like i had this light that apparently other people wanted so for me i was not that i was i was super grateful for my high school coaches like we really worked hard and like they really they really really helped elevate me and get me ready for for the next level but for life um but i did not find like pure love and fun until i was out there hooping in queens with my au friends because they were so good like my high school team like they were very very good but it was the first time that I was competing on a team where all 10 of us were just as good wow and that it just skyrocketed <laughs> um my sophomore year I think I was like number one sophomore in the city um and and then I just and then Tina Charles was like the year ahead of me and I and I guess like the, the moment that I realized I'm like yo like I'm a player um was my my junior year we were playing christ the king so against tina charles and like i cannot say uh, enough amazing things about what tina charles has done for the WNBA. what tina charles has done in new york city within her neighborhood like if you guys don't know about tina and what she's doing like you need to look her up um but she was like gatorade play that's a fact because (laughs) you know hey man i can't and, and it's crazy how you know, things come like full circle, but she was like Gatorade player of the year that year. I had ended up, I had been playing against Tina Charles since I was eight and she's pretty big. So like, and she's always been great. She's always been marginally much better than me, but like, this is how I really got good by playing her all the time. Mm-hmm. Since I'm eight years old, since we're playing in at, like a CYO in Coney Island, it's so crazy. Um, so here we are now we're like 17, 18, the same, you know, going up against each other. And um, I think that game I had like, I had like 24, I like I scored like twenty four that game, and I fouled out because oh. <laughs> of course. So like, so I scored like twenty four. Tina had like forty four, <laughs> but 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 the point is, most of the time my backup was like five seven. Tina definitely had forty four. She went to work for sure. But I'm like, I remember coming out of the game saying, "Yo, I had twenty four points this game." That's crazy. And like most of the time, she was guarding me. Woo. And, like, that's where I really put it into perspective. Like, most of the time, I would say, like, you know, she probably got her subs in, too, because they were definitely smoking us by 20. But, like, they did everybody. I feel like at that time, you need to understand New York City girls basketball. Christ the King was on, like, a whole other right. level. I mean, come on. like People, like, if you don't know, it's been a while back. I have to, like, remind people. And, like, so, like, in the league, it was, like, Christ the King was number uh-huh. one. And then everyone was just, like, we just were, like, okay, whatever. They have it. And the rest of the league was just, like, let's just put Christ the King to the side. And then, so whoever came in like like second place was really like the real first place. <laughs> I'm not kidding. So like, I never prided myself on second place, but you need to understand the level of like what Christ the King was on yeah, that year, those years. So yeah. like, you put him to the side, and then like, yo, second and third place was like lit. It was really like, oh yeah, like that kind of stuff. So, um, so I didn't like really get it. And now, as I'm older in high school, and this is like kind of a lot of, of what I really try to like preach, and I'm and I'm so I live in my neighborhood now, and I'm and I'm, and I'm very very um, like proactive in in mentoring young athletes or finding young athletes who really like the game because I did not have enough people that really knew what was going on. I mean, I was getting I, I moved out recently, and, and I found all my college letters. 
I mean, I was getting bombarded. And when I look at some of the schools now as someone older and like really understanding, like I had so many top offers and I love that I ended up picking Maris, but um, my physique was like a big East body and I was playing against big East body players. This is how in New York, that's what right. we were. Um, and, uh, and, and I feel like had I had better guidance um, had I had more people to really to or like knew the game or just understood these things better, um, like so many other like the Exodus players had made had always had amazing guidance and even like the Heat I had amazing guidance from Kevin right, but I just I never really got it and I think I never really got it because I never really had somebody in a position before me from where I came from in my neighborhood that was like hey like if you do X Y and Z this is you're going to be in the WNBA like I'm WNBA caliber but I had made decisions in my career that deferred that wow so let's jump let's jump right into the marriage situation because you know this what I, leads me into a segment what i call ill poop stories and it's okay. a, it's crazy how when i when i looked it up you know of course your first year you know you're only getting like nine minutes a game but no i didn't play it yeah my first year i don't even know if that if i got i think i might have gotten nine minutes the whole oh, year. Wow. My See, first year. I promise you. Nine minutes a game to nine minutes the whole year. But then there's an inter- there's yeah. an interesting twist to this story. Um, and it kind of leads to your professional career. But before we get into yeah. that, you know, let's let's just let's just talk about it. So Marist, of course, um, I do understand that you know you wanted you felt like there it was at a point where you wanted to transfer, but because the, yep. the education was so good that you decided to yep. stick it out. So tell us about that. Yeah, Maris is an amazing school. Um, and, and, you know, when I when I really sat down and, and I looked at, at my top school choices, and I really completely, and it's crazy when I set it down because I had so many Big E schools that were, like, on me, calling me, and I just kind of pushed those really to the side because I was so kind of focused on staying home and closer to my family. And, and I was lucky and blessed that, that Maris then, the, my senior year, ended up making it to the Sweet 16 and – uh, for 10 years following that, like they were running the Mac. So I, throughout college, I got to go to the NCAA tournament four times. I have like two first round wins. My senior year, we were 17th in the nation. Um, so I was at a really, I was at a, I ended up at a top program anyway. Um, the difficulty was that it was a mid major and I didn't understand that in mid majors, the centers and power forwards are usually around 5'10, 5'11 for the most part, maybe six foot and are really guards. Right. Right. Um, and and I didn't have enough guidance when it when it came to understanding playing time and understanding playing style that Maris plays a five out motion. And I was completely inside in high school. I didn't you know, that was those were the days where, like, if you're big, you stay in the paint, even if you can dribble, it doesn't matter. Um, and those are quill. So so I re- so I was already behind in that sense. Like I didn't play at all in my in my four years. That was really, really difficult. But. Um, I love the school. I love everything about campus. Um, we were packing out in our in our gym three thousand people a game. We had the hottest ticket in Poughkeepsie. Ooh. And for women's basketball, I'm saying like for like we had more people at our games than men's games. We had Oklahoma that year that was like number five. I remember that game. Play I remember was we almost the, beat them. The, it was the craziest was it, that thing was ever. The game with the Paris Twins. Yes. Wow. Yes. No. A lot. Uh, Paris. No. no uh, Paris. Paris Twins had. Had uh, just maybe graduated. It was with uh, Lajuan, Akeem Lajuan's yes, daughter. Obi. Oh wow! 
okay. Yes. Okay. And uh, and Hand, they had Hand, Rebecca Hand, who was like yes. a six shooter. Yes, I remember that. I remember that. Yeah. They came to play from Poughkeepsie, and it was nuts. I mean, like, that. And we really, it came down to the buzzer beater, and it was just, even though we lost that game, it was one of the, the sickest games I'd ever played in. And in terms of women's basketball, like, yo, who is packing out 4,000 a game in a That's mid-major? That's a fact. That's a fact. We had, in women's basketball, I think we had, like, the number one, like fan support or like people coming to our games in the country um, for mid-majors and stuff, which is nuts. Um, but, you know, the only thing about Maris, and I, and I always say this, and like there are a lot of things that I had to learn after is like, but I was, mu- I, I was mature enough very early to understand this, that like I was able to look at the big picture. I'm very much a big mm-hmm. picture person. Mm-hmm. And in the big picture, I loved everything about where I was at. I love my teammates. I love school. I love my education. So I really, I picked the school that suited me. So I, I picked the right choice. I, I picked it for the school, right? The only thing that I didn't like was my playing situation. And although I try to talk to my coach and change it, you know, I, I, I always, I would say, got the runaround in a way instead of him, I, how I would have preferred now him be really direct. Um, but, you know, one year it was like, hey, coach, why am I not playing? You're not playing, you know, because Maria, we do a five out motion and, you know, you can't really shoot the three. Cool. Spend the whole summer, boom, 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 shooting the three. Come back crushing it i'm shooting threes it's i'm making a rain it's crazy i'm like hey coach why am i still not playing he goes yeah well you know we were doing five out motion so we really need you to to be able to go one-on-one especially coming off the screen so i'm like okay cool so then the next summer come home where am i you find me in west fourth and i'm like what better way to work on your handles in new york city (laughs) hey so i got a lot of moves but i got one between the leg that you'll never see coming and around the black the back that i got like one or two Worked on that one. I was like, look, I know that I can beat somebody slower than me that's doing this. Um, <laughs> and, um, and that still wasn't enough. Um, and that was really hard. And, 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 I, and I think you know, we, we had been touching on mental health in so many other ways. Like This is where, for me, I, I can really resonate and understand how important mental health is and how important certain situations really can shape a young athlete's mind. Um, while this happened, my grandmother passed away when I was about 19, when I was 19, my mm-hmm. sophomore year. And I was, I had finally gained the starting spot. And he, because it was such a big thing, like me, I was pretty much like, I, pretty, I almost didn't even make the funeral because I, because I had to be back from my game in time or else I wasn't going to start ever again. So there were a lot of things I think growing up that were really difficult. But at the end of the day, like, I, I think if I had to look back now, I love Maris. I love everything about, I have so many amazing memories there and it's, it's unbelievable. And the network that I have now that has helped me just incorporate in New York city is beyond. But, um, for my professional career, it really, really, really hurt me. And it was very difficult, um, to kind of, to be on the bench. Like, yo, in, in four years, I averaged about eight minutes a game. Um, and, and I would play more when we were in the tournament where we were playing right, Big East right. teams uh, because they needed a big body. And then I would just – it would be like, oh, here I am. But it was tough, you know, when you, you, know, when you look around you graduate and you just see, like, yo, everybody, everybody from New York City in my age group that year played in the WNBA. So as I got to my senior year, um, I ended up just by chance playing, like, playing overseas. And uh, I went to vacation in Italy. My grandmother passed away. I didn't want to go back home. And I went to Italy for the summer. Um, and I was playing on a pickup court and I, and I had somebody, this is my junior year, right? But going to senior year, I had, I had some guy pull me over. I was just playing pickup, like an old man run. The guy was like, Hey, you play basketball? And I go, yeah. 
he goes, you play professionally? He's like, I have a team right now that'll, that'll take you. I'm like, a professional team wants to take me? He goes, and I'm like, I'm like I suck. Because, you know, mentally, you're just so – mentally, I was so down. I didn't think I was good. I was, like, probably 30 pounds overweight, drinking beer all the time, celebrating. We're winning. So, like, we're always turning up, you know? I'm not playing. Um, and that talk with him, he was serious. He gave me his contact. And I went back to school that year with a new mentality when I realized, wait a minute, Italy has a top professional league. It's one of the best leagues. Like, I have an Italian passport. Oh, my God, I'm going to try to play for the national team. And, like, because I was so mad about my situation, I, I knew deep down that I, I deserved much more. And I was, like, I was, I was really good. I was definitely, like, the spark plug. But, like, I was always, I was always the um, exception and never the rule. Right. So, like, I'd experienced my teammates being able to goof around and, like, and mess up how I did and, and, like, not, but, like, but I couldn't do that stuff. I couldn't even make a peep. Like, if I just, even if I, like, if my eye twitched, if, like, one coach was talking to me, like, get her out or, like, something. Like, my, I was really on a short leash. So, yeah, so I pulled, it was my senior year and, like, I kind of, you know, you, you get to that vibe where, like, look, now I'm a senior. Like, I know how this motion offense works. Not only, not only that, like, I'm already, I've. I'm, I'm the emotional leader of my team. Right. Um, because really truthfully, like only five or six girls really got a lot of minutes. So it was just, it was really competitive, but we all, we, that's how, why we were so successful. Like we, in my, my whole college career, I lost, I probably lost a total of like 16 games, including, including those lost at the NCAA tournament. Wow. All of us, we were good. Like we were, we, I mean, like we were number one in the nation for four years of not turning the ball over. And like, from so this, this motion offense that I, it just took me a while to learn it. Right. But now senior year comes, I'm like, I'm fan favorite. I'm like <laughs> kissing babies, signing autographs. Cause I got a lot of free time clearly. So I'm always talking to people <laughs> after the game. I'm the first one. I'm not even showering cause I'm not even sweaty sometimes. And I'm like, you know what? Nah, senior year is coming. Like, I just went overseas. This guy is telling me that even looking like this, I was so out of shape. I, I was like, that I could play pro? And I have my, my passport. I'm like, okay, okay. So, so I got it. So, so when, I, when I pulled up to school that year, I had definitely had a new mindset. I, I, had, I had talked to my coach and I was like, really? I was like, look, I'm like, and we had a couple of scuffles, a couple, like we had gone head to head in, in the beginning of the season um, because I was getting pulled out for like a, a lot of quick mistakes and like, but the freshmen weren't. And like, I, I finally, and like, there's so many people that like, I was never the kind of person that like, will go cry to somebody about playing time. Mm -hmm. Like kids, I, I, all the rest of my teammates all went and had like a meeting with coach. Like, Hey, when am I going to play more? Like I waited for my end of year and my beginning of year, because at this point in my head, I'm like, what's the point? Like you're, you're not going to change your mind. And I remember the first time in my four years, we, um, I, I went to his office and I really firmly, this is the first time I really was like standing up for myself. I went to his office. I was like, Hey. I was like, I'm, I had to take it like another coach with me. Cause that's how many people were like going to complain about playing time when you had to have like a third party in there. So I just walked in and I was like, Hey, um, I need a, I need to play this year. I said, I'm, I'm like, because I need to have a little bit of a longer leash. And I'm like, um, I'm trying to go pro next year. And I'm like, I've been here. I've been like a leader. Like this is, I'm like, this is my year. I'm like, and I'm not saying that I, I this is a quote too. I'm like, and I'm not saying that I need to play more than some people in certain matchups i'm like because i respect my teammates and there are some some of my teammates that are better at guarding people than me i said but this year i will go into every game like there will i'm like this year i'm gonna play every single game talk um, your talk maria yeah and i was like talk this year i was like talk. you're putting me in i said you're putting me in every game because it, it would be like that like where i think our actually it was our first our first home opener 
we were getting, it was senior year. We were getting our rings. I had my, uh, my family come down that like came from out of town to visit senior night. And we ended up playing like St. Bonaventure and losing at home. The first, the first, the, the home opener, it was a big deal. We had just lost like our all time greatest player at Marist my, my senior year. So people were saying this was going to be like our down year. And I didn't go in at all. Like he put the freshmen in before me and I was like, our freshmen were good, were good. Our freshmen ended up helping us be really even more successful that year. But uh-huh. I was so mad after that. And I just rem- and like and what we really needed was like rebounds and the little things that I do in energy. And I just remember pulling up to him. I was like, yo, so check it out. I was like, I'm going to, I'm like, I'm going to play every game this year. And I'm like, and if you don't put me in every game or at least once, or if you don't give me a chance to prove myself every game, then I'm going to be in front of your door every single day so much that you're going to get tired of me. And then when you can't give me a reason as to why I didn't go into the game, I'm going to be in front of the athletic director's door. I literally said this verbatim. I'll never forget it. And, and I remember really just, and all I was pleading for was just a shot. And I feel like that's kind of been the story of like my, and my life from how, how things shaped. I'll never forget this moment where I was like, yo, I'm like, look, I'm like, I don't care. I'm not saying you got to play me 30, 40 minutes. I said, but you got to give me a chance to at least show you that you, that I can earn 30, 40 minutes if I need to. Um, and he respected it. And then the rest of the year, um, I got those chances. He put me in every game. And, and as the season progressed, I was like, I kind of became like the sixth man. And I was like that energy plug. Mm-hmm. Um, and then by my senior year, by like senior year in the championship, like I came in, I came in really, really strong when, you know, when people needed to get open and just do little things. So it became really like the, the emotional kind of leader of the team. I was a captain. Um, there were another two captains of us. And like, and you won't, I'm the kind of person that you'll go to Maris and you won't see, you won't see my name on any, on on any of the billboards you won't see any nothing in the trophy cases around me you won't there's no murals of of maria laterza but like but for a fact and i say this often like i i had i I went on to have the most professional career of anyone that graduated the school i and like in hindsight i would say in in four years i think i averaged in total 11 minutes a game wow and i still and when i graduated and up until maybe maybe a couple of years ago, I had graduated in 11, all t- seventh in all time in block shots. Oh, that's what's up. That's what's up, man. Oh my So, goodness. so, so even, even re-saying this, and I remember, and it's so funny. And I, like I said, I was very into school and like networking. I'm very friendly. I remember on graduation day, I remember, um, had so many people that were like, Maria, like, what are you going to do after school? Like, what are you going to do after graduation? Are you going to get a job in the city? You'll be great. You know, I'm like, oh, I'm going to go play in Italy. And these are like, fan- these are like serious people. And people are looking at me, they're like, what? I'm like, I'm going to go play professional basketball in Italy. And people don't understand that. Like, if you, people truly think that it's so, I get frustrated when people are like, yo, I'm going to go play overseas. Like people don't understand how hard it is to go play overseas. Oh yeah. Listen. Especially if you went to a mid-major and it's, and if you didn't score a thousand points and if you didn't score any points, <laughs> So I listen. looked at people and I was serious though. I was like, no, nah, I'm going to go to, Italy. I had no idea. I'm like, oh, I'm going to go to Italy and I'm, and I'm going to play for the national team. And they looked at me, they were like, what? And they're like, how are you going to do that? I said, I don't know, but I'm going to do it. And, and graduated. They, and then. Yeah. No, please. Crazy. Please. please. It's crazy. Let's, it's such a crazy let's, story. Let's, let's get into it. Let's get into it. Oh my goodness. Because the, like... the Italy, the, the, the Italy stories, I got some good stories. So yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> All right. Once again, this is ill, okay? Ladies and gentlemen, to the listeners out there, this is ill. Continue, Maria. <laughs> All right, so, so yeah, so, uh, so I graduate, um, and then 
even though so I graduate and my highlight tape is is 58 seconds my college my college highlight tape there are college players that have like three or four minutes 58 seconds of all the shots that I took junior and senior year it's not a lot (laughs) and they were all fadeaways um, a couple of rebounds, but I ended up having very good film when we were playing against Oklahoma and Akeem Olajuwon's daughter. Right. And that's when I like showed up because she was, you know, big body. And like, I did a lot of good things that game. Um, I had a lot of good, or actually, and then this is the one thing, my, my senior year, my last game, um, I, we ended up being 17th in the nation. And um, I'm still to this day, one of the captains of the most winning team in program history. We went undefeated in conference, and we had the we had the number one uh, like winning streak record in the nation up until we lost to Duke in the second round of the NCAA tournament. We were playing at Cameron. We were beating Duke the whole game, and we we lost uh, we lost to uh, missing like a three point shot to go over overtime. So we were up about ten the whole game up until the last like two minutes. Um, and this is when like fans were in the stands. So I'm like, this is my last college game playing in Duke. We almost beat Duke. Our, our player of the year in the Mac conference absolutely broke her ankle at halftime. Oh no. And didn't come back. And she was, so yeah. And then we, but we still were winning the whole game. And so that's how I ended my college career. Like, I think there's photos of me like crying in camera and it's like the biggest thing. It's hysterical. And I remember seeing this one. There's this one photo that like, I'm really, really crying. And I'm like, I remember I could see it now I'm looking at it. And I'm just like, I'm frustrated because I know I have this, I had this dream and I have this idea that like, yo, like I'm still going to go play. But in my head, I'm like, what I did was not enough in college. Like who the heck is going to, how am I going to get this? How am I even going to get a chance? I remember, so I was just crying of like all that. Fast forward to to like graduation. Um, I couldn't find an agent because no one want, who wants to represent a mid major player who th- scored the one point five points in four years. <laughs> right, right. I, yeah, yeah. Hard but anyway. Right. <laughs> um, but I end up, uh, and this is where like God and story comes in. Um, my godfather, who ended up getting married late in life, ended up marrying. Uh, this woman, Jess, who has a cousin in Italy, who just so happens to be a videographer guy that works at Two Points. Two Points under Mario Scotti is like one of the, you know, the top agencies probably in Europe and then one of the top in Italy. Um, so we, they passed it along a little bit of word of mouth. Um, and before that, I went to Italy by myself. So as soon as I graduated, I booked a ticket and I went to link up with that guy who I saw in a park a couple of years ago. I went right. to one of the national team games and I, and I met, I met a, I met a coach there that was coaching on this team, but because I didn't have my passport yet, they didn't want to take me because teams would only take me now because I would just be this extra. So everyone, my whole career, I was just this passport player. Um, so I met this guy, I worked out for him, but they were like, look, we needed somebody now and we can't really take you. I go up to, and this was like in the South of Italy. Then I go up to Venice and, and I meet this guy, Franz, who's their manager, same thing. I meet Roberto and Franz. So I end up, between my my cousin's connections and just people that I've met, I end up in Austria my first year. I went from okay. living uh, living on campus in like a house with all my teammates to living in an attic in Austria, 45 minutes outside of Vienna. There were more animals in the town than people. They gave me a bike. Um, I'll never ride a bike again after the, the, the eight months that I spent in the sound of music in the hills riding to the grocery store two miles away in rain, sleet, and snow traumatized from it (laughs) and the league is not that strong but I had an American coach and by the grace of God that American coach ended up becoming the Austrian national team coach that year 
So I really spent about eight months now just doing player development with this guy. And I was so lucky that he was like, he was just a tough nosed dude from Chicago had married an Austrian woman. And like that, like he told me, he's like, this league sucks. He's like, but I brought you here because we're going to win. And two, because you need to remember that you're a scorer. And he was like a Chicago guy, he grew up in the inner city. So it was so, it was so easy to resonate his style of game and how he grew up with mine, with how I play. Um, and, and so I, I get really, really good that year. I, I mean, I'm working on everything and he comes back in March. He had to go to, to some, some like national team meeting and he goes, uh, Maria Roberto's going to call you. And I go, what? He, when he came back, I'm like, what are you talking about? Mike, coach Mike. And he goes, Roberto, he goes, uh, he's the national team coach. He ended up at a meeting with the guy that I worked out for in Italy that ended up becoming the national team coach who saw me work out. And he was like, Hey, I have an Italian girl. The, the guy that was like, Hey, sorry, we don't, we don't have room right now to take you. They ended up connecting. He remembered me and he's like, Maria and coach Mike, my Austrian coach is saying like, yeah, Maria's playing really, really well in this league. He's like, you should check her out. And uh, he called me uh, a week after that, the, Roberto, the Italian coach, the national team coach and was like, Hey, we're having a national team training camp. Um, we would love to fly you in from Austria to come to camp. Okay. So I pull up. So I'm like, okay. And I'm like, wow, this worked. So now I'm looking around like, oh my God, this worked. Cause I literally still had no idea how I was going to get on this national team. So I pull right. up, I pull up to, um, to training camp and, uh, our, I'm greeted by our general manager, uh, Franz, who is the, who was the guy that I met in Venice coincidentally. Right. So now he's the manager guy. And I'm like, and I'm looking, I'm like, this is so wild to me. Um, so I do my first training camp with the national team. Um, and, and then I, um, I did, I got every single call up, um, to any camp, every qualification, everything for, for six years. So uh, they counted in Europe by like the amount of call ups that you get, or like the, your, uh, they call it presenza in Italian, which means like your, the presentations that you have with the team. I have like 36, 36 appearances with the national team. Um, and in 20, in 2015, um, after I had like my peak of my career, I was playing in Milan, definitely living my best life. Um, I also, I also made the, the 12 that competed in the European championship. Um, and then even between that, like I'm always playing on teams with like Americans who are getting paid more than me because they have a thousand points on their resumes and like, and I'm working them. Um, and, and that's kind of been the, um, I would say like the, the story of my career. Uh, and so, so even me coming back now is very, very interesting because I'm coming back to play um, with so much knowledge that I've learned, I guess, in the last four years, just in terms of like the business and how things work on the men's side a lot, really on the right. women. Because um, like, remember, so I, I actually, and then the big part of my, my Italy story that everyone knows and they know me for um, is I, I, I pitched a 10 in Milan. <laughs> And it was one of the best experiences ever. Like I was, I played in up North in Milan for like three years. Uh Um, Milan is very much like New York city. And and when I finally found something that really I felt comfortable in, I had a great coach that year. I was unstoppable. And like, we won the, we won the, the the second league championship that year, mind you. So teams in top leagues still were like shunning me. So every year I had to go to top, I had to go to second league every year and win a championship every year to get my contract in top league. So I did this for four years, four years. I was in, I, so I won, um, Austria was my first year in Italy. I won, um, 
like three championships, promotions to top league and an Italian cup. Mm-hmm. And literally, I was just breaking down my own door. I'm like, I'm going to get in this top league because I'm going to get in the WNBA. I'm like, or at least I'm going to go to training camp so I can get some more money. <laughs> um, and and that was between like national teams. So I really had this grind and like I was obsessive with it where I was like, damn, this I'm like, shoot, that A1 door isn't going to open. OK, I'm going to build one. And uh, in 2015, that's exactly what I did. And then I, I was able to build that in Milan. Um, and I was having so much fun. There's so many guys from New York that play out there. And I think those years in Milan really helped me, helped me be um, the perfect person for the job that I would eventually get within the league. Because, man, there were so many guys from New York that were playing. Um, there's so many teams. You got the EuroLeague team. So, like, and me speaking Italian fluently, I was really, really able to cultivate a lot of relationships. Like, I had my Italian relationships and, like, all my friends and people. And, like, I really knew what was going on. And then when I had my American friends from home, which for the most and most part were mostly like the guys playing there because on all the A2 teams, I was the only, um, they didn't, you can't have an American in A2. You can only have Europeans. So because I had my passport, I counted as a European. So a lot of times I didn't even have that like American camaraderie, gotcha. um, but I had a lot of friends from New York city, man. Shout out Charles Jenkins was playing at the time. Tony Easley, Ron Moore. These are all people that I'm just, I'm, I'm still very, very close with right now. I'm like, these are people who I started with Jordan Theodore, who's like crushing it right now at Kazan. And like, these are people that when we were young and we were rookies at 23, 24, like we were going out for the first times together, we were experiencing all this stuff. And then like, um, when I retired, I mean, they still are having their like amazing career. So I've kind of been very much like a support system for them, but like, they were so much of that for me for those three years. It was awesome. I didn't pay for anything. (laughs) (laughs) That's, that's what's up. That's what's up. So, you know, playing professionally um, overseas, um, and I believe you you said that you retired in 2016. Yep. Um, and that trend that that helped you transition into, um, you know, the position that you had with the NBA. So, tell us, um, you know, what you know your experiences there, and then also um, because you know with this platform, I want to make sure that everyone knows that even though you're unheralded, you're unsung, you still use your ability, you know, in knowledge of the game to kind of leverage that, um, you know, to something else that transitioned into your life. So tell us about, um, you know, how you started, you know, working with the NBA and, um, you know, going into what you're doing, uh, what you're doing currently, which we once again broke earlier in the show. Uh So, so it's all so it's all actually so the and it's funny because when people hear you're going back to you I'm going back to play professionally they're just like why are you doing that but I'm very I'm a calculated person so like because I overthink everything I have I don't have just have plan A and plan B and plan C like I have a plan Z so this was my gotcha. plan this was like my plan Z but this is probably the one that I wanted to do the most but it 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 all started with kind of how it ended so in 2015 that year that I had this like awesome championship run. Um, I, I I was playing with a torn labrum. So basically I was playing with a shoulder that was like falling off my arm that was falling off my shoulder. So it was operated in 20, uh, in 2015 going into 2016. Um, and it was the year that I was going to make this jump to the WNBA. And I had um, in my summer's home, um, I, I was working at a restaurant in Manhattan called La Masseria on West 48th and Broadway. Um, for those that are in like the basketball world, like that's a very, very much NBA front office, like hotspot. 
um, my, uh, my former boss, Kim Buhuni, who is like one of the most influential women in, in sports in the world, especially in international basketball, she ended up being part owner. Um, the town, the town that, um, the menu comes from is, is part of where I'm from in Italy. So uh, a lot of the guys there that work that are like the managers and the concierge, like they, they under, they barely speak English. They do, but like, they don't understand the NBA. So, um, I needed some money and I was doing all my workouts in the city. So, um, I ended up being a hostess there. And, and part of that was me recognizing when the VIP clients would come in and letting them know, like, who needs to be seated in the better seats. And so, but I also knew that if I wanted to get in front of MBA people for work in the future or just to network, that that was going to be a great place to do it because I'm six foot two and like I'm the first person you see at the door. So I, I, uh, I grew this relationship uh, with my former boss who was there and I would see her, you know, whenever they would come in for meetings and it was just a lot of small talk. And, and the summer that I finally came home in 2016, I was really struggling to get a, another job. Um, and and it's, it's just interesting. I was, I'd come into like my sixth year pro I was pretty much a vet. I had a lot of I had championships under my belt. And uh, because I had this injury and um, and I wasn't really six, it took me much longer to come back than I would have thought. Um, a uh-huh. lot of teams were lowballing me with my offers. So I was a six year vet and teams that are mostly run by men. And like, it just, it's crazy how it works. Right. We're trying to give me like first year salary. And that was when, that was when I kind of just had, like, I started to sit back and look and be like, no, because at this point, like my market value in Italy with, with what I was doing, like I was really like, had I not had that injury, like I was about to start modeling in Milan. I was doing like a lot of stuff in front of the camera, like trying to get into broadcasting because I speak Italian. Like so. And, and on top of that, I have like all my friends playing in EuroLeague. They're all coming to, to these women's games that are bringing even more of a crowd. So I'm like, I already know what I'm worth. And like and plus I translate for Americans. <laughs> So I would have been like right. playing on a team in A1, translating for the person who's going to play more than me and still having to beat her and translate at the same time. So like I kind of stepped back and I was like, wait a minute, I don't I don't like how this is moving um, because my story is so common for women's basketball players, especially ones that play in Europe that aren't American, where they can really get taken advantage of because they they didn't go to school like they've been pro since they're 16. And right. when I realized that I was, they were going to try to take advantage of me, I was like, you know what? I have a whole education. <laughs> I have a whole good education. I'm in New York City. Um, and so I was ready to kind of just start figuring out like a transition, like, because I wasn't going to do that. Um, I ended up, I ended up meeting my, my boss around July, right before the Olympics happened in 2016, connected with her, kind of just recapturing what was going on. And, and pre- in the previous year, she was always like, listen, like, whenever you're ready, let me know, I'll, you know, I'll call some people in the W we'll, we'll try to get you into a, like a workout. So that year, the 2016 year was supposed to be like, I signed my max contract. I was supposed to finally get that call up to the W and this whole time I'm just geek because I'm like, yo, imagine, imagine me on a WNBA training camp roster, mm-hmm. like to be the only one from Marist college to be on this. And it's me. Like that was my whole, that was my whole MO. I was very, and I knew it was going to happen because I just, I had signed, I was playing well. I was going to play 40 minutes in A1 against other WNBA players. Like, and honestly, I didn't even want to really make the team. I just wanted to be on that training camp roster because for those of you who don't know, like, if you are a WNBA player, you're in, in Europe and you're a national team player, your bag goes up immensely. Then you're making money like the guys are making money. But if you're not, then really a lot of women who are not WNBA, WNBA players in Europe are making 1500 a month. And these are women with educations and great degrees. 
and they're not living in the nicest houses. Like they're not living like the guys who are living in Euro League. They don't have like cleaning ladies. Like, but if you're in the WNBA, you might be, and you have a good agent, you might be making some some decent money. So, so that was my whole mom. Um, when I when I finally remet my boss again, and I told her that I had been injured, and I was I was probably going to stay home because I was going to wait the market out. Um, about a week later, um, I got a phone call from the restaurant saying the NBA was looking for me. She came back to me, um, with an offer to be her executive assistant as her executive assistant was about to be, de- de- um, de- uh, deployed with the military. Um, and they needed someone to fill in for eight months, like a temp. And I was like, you know what? And I'm like, not only did she call me, she had her, the, the VP who is, uh, who is like a mentor to me now. And I'm extremely close with him for all the patients that he had with me in my first year. So I had this interview with him and like, in like three days, I'm working in a restaurant. Three days later, I'm in the NBA front office having an interview. And I don't even know, I'm like so nervous in my head, but I just tell myself like on interviews, like I don't have prep work. Like we didn't do, we didn't, we weren't like built like this in college. You know what I'm saying? I wasn't, I wasn't prepared for this, but in my head, I'm just like, I'm just going to go in there and talk like that's the best yeah. thing you can do in an interview. Just go, go talk, go have a conversation. So I go in and I still, re- to this day, sometimes I talk to him and I'm just like, yo, I don't remember what I possibly could have said to you in that interview to, to make you think that like, I, I could, like, I was good enough for this job. And he always just like laughs. Cause I, I ended up being really good that they kept me on. Um, and that year I was the executive assistant to um, our uh, head of international basketball operations. So boss lady, um, uh, our VP and also, uh, general Martin Dempsey, who is a consultant, but he was also like the former chief of staff for the U S government, um, for a number of years. So mm-hmm. I was juggling their travel, their finances. And I got a really, really, um, like bird's eye view of what's happening, like within the league office, how, how, pro- like how processes work. Um, and I got that because I had, I didn't even think that my international, the things that I just knew naturally, I, at that point I was watching more EuroLeague basketball than the NBA. Still love the EuroLeague. Okay. I still watch a lot of EuroLeague. So there were so many things. And even now as I'm older in my career and I understand like wh- why I got that position is because it, in international basketball operations, even playing in Europe, like I have so much knowledge and a lot of us that play overseas do of just how it works over there. Um, so I did that for about eight months and then um, I got promoted to coordinator and that was when they were launching the NBA academies, which was really, really great. Um, for those of you who don't know, the NBA academies um, is an initiative the league started in 2016 um, after the great success of like basketball without borders, um, where we were like finding these really, really top prospects all over the world. Right now in the NBA, there's like 113 international players. And at least I want to say like between 30 or 40% of them were identified at basketball without borders. That is awesome. Yeah, it's crazy. So the league uh, built all these academies all over the world um, and their residential programs for the men's side. Um, And I was just helping out with a lot of the ops and I would be on site doing these camps and I would always go early and, you know, our our crew and and the team there and working for the league was just an incredible experience. And I really understand why so many people are eager to get into it because just from top to bottom, like it's just, it, the, the way that they are with the players is like exactly how they are with the staff. Like everyone is, it's just a great organization to be working for. And, uh, and I was so fortunate um, to work. I, I call it now. It's like, I got my, my degree at an international BB ops with my, with my team there. We're very close. Um, but I had a lot of experiences and I learned a lot. I was, I got to 
to meet and sit down and have dinner with like NBA coaches, GMs. And like, these are people that you saw all the time, like recurrently because they're coming to our camps. Um, and right. Then in 2017, they launched the NBA Academy's women's program, which is like, we couldn't do at the time. We didn't have enough budget. And like also around the world, it's kind of hard, like to kind of mix girls and, and boys together, especially in certain countries with like religions and stuff. So um, we launched the NBA Academy women's program that were uh, a series of uh, development camps. So they were just like training camps. Um, and that was really what I was kind of like lead on and what I was really, really honing. And so on top of traveling basketball without borders all summer and all these other camps that which would go on from like April to August, where I'd be out of the country from September mm -hmm. to May, and then including all, what we would do for All-Star Weekend, um, I was also then traveling to these places again, but doing these camps for women, where we were flying in like 24 of the top women from each continent, and I'm booking the flights, um, I'm helping with travel, I'm making sure that the Encore plan is looking good. We, have, we had our coaches and directors that were like handling the Encore stuff, but I was just, I was doing it all. Um, and that was really like my, that was like my baby. And, and I'm, and I'm so grateful for, uh, you know, for, for my bosses and people that I was working for to, to kind of let me, uh, let that kind of be my, um, like my science project. And just, it was the first time that I was, I was really on site and I was like the lead and that had been since 2017. The program had been, has been growing tremendously. They're still doing such a great, great job at it. It just sucks now that like with the travel, a lot of that's, uh, that stopped, but our purpose really with that was like bridging the gap between uh, international prospects and the NCAA and that's the NBA Academy mission. So yeah, it's uh, I, I, I really haven't been busy the last four years. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, uh, everything that you just said, it's like, that's what, honestly, that's, that's something that I would have wanted to do. You know, if I was, you know, working for the NBA. And I mean, everybody has like a hoop dream, mm -hmm. but, you know, I, I was more of a business oriented guy anyway. So I'm always thinking front office um, more than, than playing. Yeah. And come on, let's face it. I'm five, seven. Oh my God. I, mean, I was nice. You, but... hey, you, you sound like you about six, five. I'm not going to hold you. <laughs> I appreciate that. I appreciate you. that. But I'm a, but I'm gonna just be straight up, you know, like, like I said, you know, I, I was nice, but, you know, when it come when it came to kind of like the politics of it, and I, and I was a walk on as well. So Dumb. you know, when it came to the to the politics of it, you know, I just understood. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So I tried to kind of go onto the business side, um, and you know, everything that you just talked about it was amazing, and that that's something that you know I probably would still want to do. I'm still young. So, you know, that's, you know, that could be something, you know, I, I could, I could think about, but you've, you know, you've lived yeah. it and, you know, it, it's just amazing how your story, um, you know, came out and you're still writing. Uh, yeah. Story, I feel like, um, I feel like know. this is like the third quarter and I feel like, it's, yeah. and I feel like <laughs> the third quarter is really, and it's crazy because I feel like it's really ending and I'm about to start the fourth and like, and I remember saying this earlier, like I'm, I'm very strategic with, with, the, with going back to play, but um, you know, I, I definitely thought I was going to be an NBA lifer in terms of front office. Like I really, I retired, I literally dropped basketball in a second and that's, that was really mm -hmm. difficult for me. Um, but I also knew that, you know, people like the heads of basketball operation or like VPs and stuff, like, are really busy. Like everyone, these like, we're really busy. The NBA is really busy. The front office people are really busy and they're, 
humans and they have lives and they have families on top of like and they we work like all the time 24 hours a day right so i'm like if these right. if these people are going to call you once like they're never going to call you again if you say no and that that's what i felt i'm like this this is this is not the kind of thing that you're like oh maybe i'll try like no this is like they call you you go um but it was it was tough to give up like i was 20 so i was 26 when i retired um uh-huh. and i was still basketball wise very young when i tell people i retired at 26 at the peak of my career like i had just peaked like i'm talking about like things came things were coming together like game wise and then like this is when like people like the people are actually letting bigs be stretch threes and like i'm really expanding my game for the future and all these things together right on top of that um i play a certain type of style in basketball like i'm i'm a power forward but i'm very physical i'm you know, I can I can score 20 points a game if you need me to, but I can also get somebody open and have them score 20 points a game. And that's something that people today and I, I don't like even kids say they want to be professional. Um, I think people don't stress enough to them that like, hey, you can still be a professional basketball player and get paid by just getting somebody open. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And especially in, in you know, in today's league. Um, and, I, and I feel like, you know, with both leagues, I've always said that you know, with the women's game, there's been a lot more skill mm-hmm. that uh, that the casual fan just overlooks because the first thing they, they say is, well, it's women, which is, like, unfortunate and pretty mm-hmm. dumb of them, first off. But, you know, as long as you have spacing, as long as you have shooting, and as long as you have high IQ, I mean, that's going to be right. there, no matter if it's the women's game or if it's the 100%. men's game. Of course, with the men's game, you know, a lot has been moved on from an athleticism perspective, but at the same time, like the game is 90% mental anyway. Mental. It is. um, And that's, I think that's like life. I think there's so many things that I learned in hoop that like, so funny, 90, it's 90% mental. And I'll say like, when I got laid off in July, I was completely blindsided. Um, And uh, it sucks, but it wasn't just me. It was like 200 other people. And like, um, for me, the biggest like the biggest comfort was just the like the reaction of the people that I had been in the trenches with, like the people that I was on side with. And like, I was just more, I'm like, wow, like you get like, I feel like other, other people were so much, were so much more, not more upset than I was just, I was very much ready for the next transition. And I, and I had so many mm-hmm. people um, throughout always events and just always be like, Maria, what do you, what's your five-year plan? And I'm like, I, I really, I couldn't see it. You know, I'm just, I was even shocked that I'm here. <laughs> And I'm just trying to pull this together. I'm just a girl from Brooklyn. Like people, like in my neighborhood, like the the young women, in, like in this part of Brooklyn, like no one's going into Manhattan for work every day. You're either a teacher, you're a wife, uh, maybe you're a babysitter or a housekeeper. Like everyone works city jobs. It's very, it's very different here. So like for me, even having this opportunity to sit at this table or be a fly in the wall, like I have some, sometimes I sit and reflect now and I'm just like, wow, like I was our department meetings every, every month. Or just to, to be able just to, to hear things about the game and like really know the game and just then grow to be somebody who gets to talk in those apartment meetings or give updates. Like it's so crazy and it's so hard for me to process. Um, and, and when that happened in, in July, like a lot of people, like everyone's like, yo, how are you doing? How are you really? And like, this has been really a struggle for me. I think the biggest, the biggest struggle is just like, what am I going to do next? Right. And, and, and for me, I'd started to think about it in January. So for me, I definitely want to transition um, team side. So um, by this time next year, my goal is to be working within an NBA team in an organization. So it's kind of crazy where you're like, and then you're like, but wait, you're going back to play. Um, 
I had, and I had recently been talking to some teams and I had like one or two interviews and stuff, but I just, I still don't know yet um, what avenue I want to take. Player development for me is so important. And I'm so, I, I'm honestly, as much as I love the game and I love the on-court, I'm so much more fascinated with all the other things that happen behind the scenes that people don't know about to make players comfortable and ready to play. And I was fortunate that I've, I mean, playing for the national team, like we had a big ops and like we were taken care of really well. But we had great people around us. We had a great, like, BB Ops. We had great managers. We had great GMs. Like, I've been some places where, like, people really take care of athletes. And I noticed the difference coming from my college situation where I think emotionally, mentally, I wasn't the, the best taken care of to, to how I was really treated playing in Europe. And, like, you know, Italians are, like, very warm and opening. And, like, I was so lucky to even just be, uh, be trained like that because that's how I, how I operate now just – in, in basketball and my profession. Um, so my, so my goals, um, and I, I just, I said this to someone recently, I've just been affirming it. Um, in, in the next five years, I'd like to be an assistant GM, uh, either in the G league or within the NBA. And I know that that's, that's a, a long course to get there. Um, I'm, t- I'm taking some courses right now on, on sports management worldwide, uh, to be an NBA GM and like mm-hmm. scouting. So that's been super helpful. Um, the only, my Achilles heel has been like, you know, COVID has stopped everything. So these conversations and just meeting people and networking, All-Star Weekend, Summer League, like these are just great opportunities to just sit and talk to people and like connect. And like I've met so many people along the way, but a lot of people still don't even know that I got laid off. I wasn't like, you know, projecting it or anything. So to go back to play has been crazy. This has been like my plan Z. Um, And I just and I just given up on this where I was like, you know what, I'm just going to pack it up. I'm like, I'm not going to go back. I'm just going to really just try to find a job here in the next couple of months because, I mean, it's a pandemic. We're all struggling. Right. Um, So I got this call for this team. And and my goal is to um, is to be there till about uh, June or July. Um, If fingers crossed, I'm really goes well. I'll I'll be I'll be in Vegas. Um, But in the last interview I had, I had I had and I've had a lot of people tell me that I have I have like coach energy. Um, mm-hmm. I'm very tall. I have a very loud voice. Like, and I can, my voice like carries. So like, I'm the person that like, if someone needed, like the whistle is gone, just let me yell and I'll get everybody to stop like in the gym. Um, I'm sure. loud. <laughs> and, um, I think my, pa- I, mean, I love the women's game and I'm, and I'm so I, I, I'm putting a lot on my back. Cause I'm like, I, as much as I want to be heavily involved in the men's side, like I'm a hundred percent dedicating then all my free time on like pushing the women's game too. Um, but I, I think that, uh, the NBA side player development and, and it's really been my niche. I was always, I always grew up like one of the guys um, I'm, I'm an only child. I have like 20 something male cousins. Like for me, that is just such a familiar and like family energy. And when I was overseas, like, like I said, most of my friends were either former NBA players, G league players that were playing overseas. Like, um, and I think that NBA players don't really, really, I say this all the time when we talk about mental health, like they don't get enough credit for how much, how much they go through and how much people expect them to be perfect. Like, yo, people have everyday life things going on. Like you fight with your girlfriend or maybe your mom's not feeling well, then someone needs money. Like there's so many things that people don't realize. Uh, you might have a little injury on your hand, but like, it's really messing you up and like coaches pushing on you. So, um, Right now, I'm trying to figure out the be- the best route to to make me prepared for the next step. Um, so I'm really heavily looking into scouting. Um, I think positioning myself in Europe right now um, gets me in crazy good shape. So I'm I'm able to be on the court. 
um, and just kind of help out. But um, I really have a chance to be scouting internationally where a lot of people aren't right now. Um, so I'm just, like I said, I'm just trying to get in where I fit and just figure out what's going to, what's going to prepare me for the next step and what's going to make me extra valuable. And I think the other things I'm, you know, the GM stuff and I have a lot of great mentors and people who just are, are so, so helpful. Um, but I, I really need, I really need these, these couple of months to be very, very strategic and figure out exactly what I want to do. Um, but I, but I know it's going to be within a team from front office, either, either, you know, working ops um or on the court somewhere in player development i would love if it would be like a merge i feel like i'm such a kumbaya person so like i could be like a little bit of a middle middleman a quality control but um you know everyone has their destiny and those whatever whenever that opportunity does come it'll come in the time that's right for me um and you know it's so ironic i gave up uh i gave up i gave up playing for the national team to, to work for the nba and i'll say when i when i got and that was and i was gonna be like a starter so like that was really big for me and it's still playing for my country's team where my family came from is I, I can't even explain that that type of honor like my parents are immigrants you know we came with like nothing they miss Italy so much but they had to come here to give me a better life um, so like the, the best honor that I could give my father he has no sons is just like his last name is on on the back of like an Italian blue jersey and that blue jersey for Italians yeah. doesn't matter what team it is is that blue that Italian blue because it stems from like soccer and stuff right uh, and right. so that was really big to give up, but I was giving it up because I thought I was going to have a career. And when it stopped the last couple of months, I've kind of just been in my head and I'm just like, oh, man, like, uh, I wish, I, I wish I had, I wish I had one last season knowing it was my last season. Those are things that I would say while I was still working. People always be like, why don't you go back? And for the years, I've always had phone calls like to go back, but I just, you know, I was really focused on my job and I loved what I was doing. Um, and then this opportunity came up and, and I think basketball and the game is, is beautiful in that way. And when you are good to the game and you are true to the game, when you naturally appreciate everything, every, the, the game at its pureness, um, the game will always, will always look out for you back. And I feel like that's what's, it's, it's kind of happened full circle here. Uh, for me to have this opportunity yeah. for me this so this ne this next season I'm actually going to vlog all of this because it's going to be one of the most probably painful four months of my life trying to come back and get in game shape um, but I'm not far off I've always stayed ready you know I've been in the gym I've always been hooping so like I just didn't do it at a pro level um, but yeah the next four months I just kind of get this chance to to really to really say goodbye to the game on the court in my own way. And I'm so fortunate because not a lot of p players get that chance. Like you either, your career ends in college, it, it ends on injury or someone cuts you and it's a dub. And like, um, I'm very, very grateful. And I know how rare it is to even like, I haven't played in four years. I'm telling, I tell some people now they're like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're going back to play a pro team right now during COVID. Like people can't get jobs right now. And someone, I'm so, I'm so chill and humble, but someone had to put it to me like this. They're like, yo, Maria, there's people right now that can't get a job. And you just had, a, you had a team, that like offered you to go back and on top of it like i've learned all this knowledge so i'm like i'm trying to get my also maybe my like my fiba license so now i'm negotiating my own contracts and it's this whole thing it's super fun because yeah. like now i know now i'm like you know what i will add a hundred extra like 150 euro for every double double i get this year <laughs> why these are things that i didn't yeah, know sure. um and i think on the italian side i'm going you know i left i was very i was very very much a girl i left at 25 i was living that like rock star lifestyle like cool slept all day practice out all night living in milan i mean it was it was awesome we, and we were winning so no one was saying anything i was never late i showed up to everything um 
and but I'm I'm coming back now uh, much more mature. Uh, my basketball IQ, I, I know has, has grown immensely. And like, I'm, I'm ready to just kind of like work, work and then, and help out and facilitate like with uh, things with like the women's programs and just, uh, and just buy my time and, un- until I get to summer league. And, and I know when I get there and I'm, and then I start having interviews, like I'm just brushing up, I'm brushing up on, on, on these coaching interviews. So, so when a, so when a coach in, in my next interview asks me, Maria, what are your philosophies or what do you think in this situation? For me, it's been kind of rusty because I really, in all of our, our NBA camps, as much as people were like, Maria, you need to be on the court. I'm like, I knew I was good there. I'm like, yeah, I got mm-hmm. that. I'm like, I don't need to be there. I'm like, I need it. I need to be behind the scenes. I need to be working, working programs in Excel and I need to get good at it. I need to be, uh, writing emails eloquently and I need to be learning in, in, in which meetings do I, do I curb my Brooklyn accent and do I speak directly? I need it. Like there were so many other skills that I had to hone on that I just really stayed away from the court. But I think I stayed away from it because, because I knew if I stepped on for longer than five minutes, whether if I was coaching, whether I was instructing, whether I would just hop in, then I was going to, I was going to drop everything and go back to play. Cause that's how much I really missed it. Um, so this opportunity came and, you know, I just, I say that, you know, God, uh, the universe, God, if, if you're a believer, I'm definitely a believer. Um, everything, my story has been crazy. Uh, it keeps getting crazier. Um, so I'm going to go back to Italy for the next four or five months. Um, and then, and just prepare there, um, you know, to, to get to summer league and, and hopefully have an opportunity to, to get into the NBA. Um, and, and the biggest thing is that I just, I, I'm really into like leadership. Um, I grew up in, in Brooklyn, New York, in a very, very diverse neighborhood. Like there's, there's people from the Caribbean, there's people from Africa, there's people from Italy, from Europe, Russia, China, India. Right. And then we all went to public school because no, you know, all of us are poor here. <laughs> like we're all our house broke if we have a little something. Right. So in my public school, like it was nothing for me to, uh, see a woman in a hijab. It was nothing for me to see maybe an Indian man with like a turban, like, these are kids I went to school with, like for me, and I, and I, I credit my upbringing so much to, to the way that I see the world. And it's just funny. Like I, I've been to so many countries, but I already knew the culture because I grew up within a New York city. And when I think wow. about where the world yeah. is today, especially like in leadership and like, I just, I want to be somebody um, that always makes people feel good, that makes people feel empowered. And I, and I, and I know that there are situations, I know that it's changing obviously with everything that's happening with like social justice and, and getting more people to have voices or getting more women to the table, getting more women of color to the table, more people of color to the table, or just people from, from different backgrounds that, that don't have the same opportunities as a lot of people tend to get. (laughs) And I know that I have a voice and I know that I have, um, a way of seeing things and a, and a way of digesting things that I always say like makes things kumbaya. And uh, I just, I, I really, really want to work in the next four or five years to be somebody that, that can be in a leadership position that, um, that can, that can influence and just help other people. Like I, I always say this, like, I never want to be the, I never want to be the plug. I'm not, I'm not concerned with being the plug. Everyone gets so hype about being the plug. Like, yeah, hey, I got you. Like I'm going to get mm-hmm. you in this party. Like I'm really, really, really more concerned or like, I would really would love to just be the connect. And it's so, it's so hard to be the connect, right? To be able to like, talk to somebody be like, Oh, wait, you love that. That's your passion. Cool. I know somebody else you should meet like, and I, and I love being, being that that's my, that's like my niche. Um, so, yeah. So you and me, you and me are yeah. definitely alike. 
for sure. Well, that you know, to be honest with you, that's Virgo. Oh, you're Virgo. Oh, talk. that's. A, well, let I'm me know. We can have a Virgo podcast. I'm, I'm after leave this it. one. Talk about <laughs> it. It's definitely Virgo. No, so we we set we September babies. So you know, that's you know that's what it is. You know, but um, but I, I wanna I wanna leave it there because you know, I you you dropped so much you know knowledge and you gave us so much um gems i want people to follow you and i want you to continue to do what you're doing so i want you to go ahead and take this opportunity to plug all of your socials um and of course you know you know we have to follow you on clubhouse you're such a great ambassador um, on Clubhouse, and we enjoy you so much. So go ahead and, and plug all of your your social media. All right. So on 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 Instagram, you can find me at Still So Brooklyn. Uh, the O in the So is actually a zero, so it's tricky. Um, sometimes I don't even I don't even put my my name in there. So you got You got to really really search it. Um, but Still So Brooklyn, I've had that same handle uh, my whole pro career. Uh, everyone is always, I'm always like Brooklyn. I don't even get Maria sometimes anymore. And, and that's something like, as, as you've known from, from this whole thing, like I, I, I carry my upbringing in Brooklyn very close to me. So everything will probably be still so Brooklyn anywhere. Thanks. That's the consistency of it. Um, those are, that's my, uh, my handle on, on any social media. Um, and then you can always, Hey, you can always connect with me also on LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn, Maria, Maria C. Laterza. Um, and I just love, love connecting. So anyone that finds this interesting or just wants to talk, holler at me in New York City, connecting. <laughs> For sure. And there you have it. I want to thank Maria for being on with me. And, you know, this is a beautiful thing. I want to wish you um, luck thank you. Uh, in your endeavors going uh, back to Italy. And ladies and gentlemen, this has been Hooper's Unhailed. I am your host, K-Dot. And as I say on every episode, peace and love to everybody out there. We will talk to you soon. And there you have it. Another Unhailed Hooper, another story told. I want to personally thank Maria for sharing her experiences, for sharing all of her thoughts and her stories. And don't worry about it. We're going to stay tuned for more Hoopers Unhailed. I got to hop on a plane to get to the next Unhailed Hooper. So in the meantime, in between time, this is KDOT signing off, saying peace and love to everybody. I'll holla at you. Flavor production. Yeah.